0: Everybody, welcome back to the Cage Podcast. Joining me again today is our fearless leader, Pastor Mark Hennen. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Hey. So last time we got together to do this podcast of unpacked, we um, were talking about something that was pretty hardcore. It was really where you had to wear your steel po- toe boots to be able to deliver a message that was kind of hard for a lot of people to listen to, called fan or follower. You remember that? <laughs>
1: I do, Chris.
0: <laughs> and then you were able to take a nice two-week break as Pastor Frankie got to come in and um, smooth some things over with some people because it's kind of nice to be uh, challenged, but then it's also nice to be uplifted. And You do a great job of doing both, by the way. <laughs> you can't just beat people up every Sunday. you know. No. You got to give them a break in there somewhere. That's right. And then uh, your friend, Chris Ballew, got to come. Yes. So you had a two-week break. I did. And we mentioned that on our last podcast, but the two-week break is over and Sunday has come and gone. Oof. It's now on Monday. Yes, it did. So we're on a brand new sermon series called Real Repentance. First of all, what uh, what encouraged you to write such a sermon series to be able to start something like this? Oh, I just, man, God's been putting on my heart
1: like crazy, Chris. Uh, obviously it goes along with the theme for the whole year for real. But um, just to continue to challenge the church to, to be an actual, a real Christian, actual Christian, a, a real follower. And you can't do any of those things without having some moments of real repentance in your life.
0: It's crucial to the gospel, to Christianity, to, to our lives in general. I agree. I love it. I got to listen to your message uh, this morning, um, like I do on most Monday mornings when I'm in Kid Nation on Sunday mornings. And uh, you said a lot of Hard, like to the point <laughs> stuff. Um, I got some w- weird looks yesterday. Was Chris. it as quiet in the crowd as it <laughs> sounded on the video? Uh,
1: um, I don't. Maybe, yeah, definitely was. Maybe not as quiet as I thought it might be. Like I thought people took a like champs for the most part. You so. got
0: you got a lot of people laughing involved. Sure. I think you did a great job steering that ship. Of hey guys, um, <laughs> I'm here as your spiritual leader to help you make the right choices and to uh, know what the Bible says. But at the same time, you brought up some. Um, comedy into it to help it make make it look like you weren't beating people over the head so kudos to you on that thank one. you sir okay so we're talking about real repentance and you mentioned and you're gonna have to say it for me because i can't pronounce the greek word but just to break down that word repent what's the greek word how do you pronounce this greek word well don't ask a redneck how to pronounce anything chris but i think it's like
1: um oh gosh uh I'm drawing a blank. It's okay. You sang a
0: little tune yeah. to, what was it, it,
1: it Tailspin? It, it, it ends with uh, O-E-O, I remember
0: O-E-O. that. Because we talked about <laughs> Tailspin. <laughs> Metanoe-O, Yeah. Listen, get too seriously the widest people (laughs) in Oklahoma you can find to sit here today and try to pronounce a Greek word. Okay, so long story short, we can't pronounce it properly, probably, that's all right. But this Greek word of repent carries the meaning of a change of mind, a change of purpose, and a change of life. There's a kind of a common theme in those right there. Change. 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 Expand on that for us really quick. What does it mean in your mind and of where God's leading you to lead this church to uh, change uh, our thinking. What, what does that exactly mean? To think more like uh, a Christian
1: should think. I think we've been so infiltrated uh, by worldly th- ways of thinking and worldly ideologies and doctrines and a Christian should experience this moment of change there should be something different about us we shouldn't think like the rest of the world we shouldn't live like the rest of the world we're we're set apart i mean we're we're a royal priesthood a holy nation we're uh, being a Christian should mean something, Chris.
0: Absolutely. I-, I love how you got to break this down for us a little bit on Sunday, and we're going to unpack it a little bit more right now, of, that when you say that we can be changed by our thinking, th- even the word says to be transformed absolutely. by the renewing of our yeah, minds absolutely. and our thoughts, and the whole purpose of us breaking this down of real repentance and that repentance meaning changes. I love what you said is that when you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes you. Oh, it does. Period. Period. I mean, the God who spoke the world into motion steps into your life. Yes. There's got to be a change. If there's not, something's terribly wrong. You're
1: not really encountering the Lord if there's not. I agree. When Isaiah encountered the Lord and, you know, I saw the Lord in his train fill the temple, the next word out of his mouth is, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. When you see the holiness, when you see the majesty of the Lord, uh, it's great to, to think of Jesus as your friend. He is, he wants to be your friend, but I, I think sometimes we we familiarize ourselves with him maybe too much in that way, if that's possible. Like, hey, he just wants to be your buddy and you guys just wanna have this great relationship. And that's true, 100%, I'm not, I'm not discounting that at all. He's still the creator of the Dagam universe. Absolutely. Man. Like He's still God, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, so there has to be that that element in our relationship with God, too.
0: Absolutely, and really I I would probably dare to say the people that we're really trying to target in this series right now in, in today's podcast are those who say, I'm a believer, Absolutely. I'm a follower. So Absolutely. if you're listening to this today and you're like, what? And, and you're not really sure who Jesus is, you haven't really had that encounter with him yet. This really isn't directed towards you, but we are still encouraging you to continue to seek out that that pathway. But for those who have been on this pathway of following Jesus, I think, um, like you said, kind of become familiar. We've been in this church world so much yep. to where, and, and in society today, which we'll get in that a little bit more, of just how we have conformed more to the world instead of us conforming the world, like changing the world. Absolutely. So to change our thinking, When I think of repent, and even before you even mentioned this about how it needs to change our direction, I was always just thought in my head, especially as a teenager, to repent from something means to do a 180-degree turnaround and walk the opposite direction of where you're headed. Yes. So if you're repenting from something, that means to turn away from. Yes. But what does it also mean to change our desires to, if we're really going to repent from something and we're really going to turn to God, if it's going to really change us and it's going to change our thinking and our direction, what does it mean to have our desires even changed. I think that's probably more of
1: a process that's going to come. I think there's some instant change in some of those moments when you encounter the Lord and you repent, but the more you get to know the Lord, and the more time you spend with Him, and the more you're transformed into His image, your mind's renewed, you don't want the same things you used to want. You don't have those same desires. Your desires begin to look more and more like His desires as you're just changed into His image more and more. So I think it's this really beautiful progression that doesn't happen overnight, but you become less and less like who you were in the world. That old man is, is, is dead and he's buried, and you're becoming more and more like who Jesus is calling you to be.
0: I love that and would you say that it's almost the same of having uh, to be changed from my goals to what god's goals are in my life absolutely
1: kind of like this last series you know where you're dying to yourself but it is you're you're dying to your goals to your wants to your desires it, it can be painful, but it can also be so liberating and beautiful because you realize that the goals and the desires that he has for you are so much better than what you have for yourself.
0: Yes, and it's reminded me of the scripture in the Bible that says that God is still working on us. Oh, man. And he's going to continue <laughs> to do a good work in he us. he got a lot of work t- to do on <laughs> me, bro. he got a lot of work to do. <laughs> he's going to continue to do that good work in us until the coming of Jesus. So, like, yeah. until the day we yeah. breathe our last breath... He's still working on us, but there's there's also the, that responsibility in our lives that we have to continue to repent. We have to continue to go towards God instead of going towards the things that we want to go to. Um, Pastor Mark, it, it's not, um, how should I say, it's not any secret that society is working overtime to oh, change the way uh, we as believers view the Bible. Yes. I mean, even people who have been raised in the Christian home over the past generation or two, uh, I think you s- said something like this on Sunday that things that were uh, that are acceptable today in our society would have been completely like mortified, turned, mortified. Mortified, turned away yes. from. So I love what you said. Let's just let's just make it black and white. Right is right. Wrong is wrong, and sin is sin, period, to God. But yet, we have so many people within the church body. And we're not just talking King's House. We're talking the body of Christ all over the world. We have people in the church who are still dabbling in sin. Either one, they really don't know it's sin, or two, uh, they haven't had that real encounter with God like we talked about where it will absolutely change you. One is dangerous. The first one, it's because if you don't know it's sin, then... What has what have you been surrounding yourself around? What what has your church been teaching you or yeah. not teaching you, for that matter? You become very desensitized and callous somewhere along the way. Absolutely, yep. and I think what happens is that uh, you may have hit on this on Sunday too. Is that people um, try to change the word of God to fit their lifestyle? It's because yes. it's what feels good. Oh yeah. It's what uh, I mean. Yes. Man, our, our society I feel bad for our children who are going to school and who are growing in a, in a society where it's okay if you don't think you're a female, even yes. though you were born one. Absolutely. Um,
1: and I think that's exactly what the enemy is trying so hard to do right now. If you could pinpoint one thing, uh, of course, he's, he's busy. He is working overtime to remove this concept of absolute truth. Yes. And he is trying so hard to make truth objective. And we even hear it in conversations and on radio and on television. Well, tell me what your truth is. Well, tell me what your truth is. Well, your truth, I mean, th- this is some made up fallacy. There's no such thing as my truth or your truth. Truth isn't dependent on my beliefs or my feelings or my opinions. Truth is truth. Is truth is truth and it doesn't change. And, uh, and tr- the source of truth is the word of God. And Chris, that word has not changed. It will not change, it's never going to change. It is truth and that truth is not dependent on whether you agree with it or whether you like it or whether you think it's mean or it doesn't matter. Truth is absolute truth and the enemy's working so hard and has absolutely infiltrated the church to where if that's how you feel, well then if if that's what you feel is good, if that's what you feel is right, listen, it's not my job to determine what's right or wrong. That has already been determined. Already been done. It's not my job to try to tell you what's truth. Truth has already been established. It's my job to tell you what's in that word, to point people in that direction. Your feelings are irrelevant in this situation. Truth is truth.
0: Uh, right is wrong. wrong. is wrong. so many pastors and <laughs> spiritual leaders see the tension that's built up when yeah. they know what the Bible says and they know what they need to speak. but. I'm going to hurt so-and-so's feelings. They're oh, going to leave the church, or this is going to cause division, or this is going to cause whatever. But I love what you're saying. It's the solid foundation yes. that we as believers cannot move off of. Absolutely. The moment we do that, the enemy has taken over and oh, completely he's won. Won. like We've given him Absolutely. those footholds. Absolutely. When we take our stand... Off of what God's Word says. Yeah. So you challenged us on Sunday with your message that we shouldn't be trying to have the Word of God be changed to fit our lifestyle. But instead, a real repentance, again, that word change, it's a, that's the like highlighted word yes. of this series, I believe, is so that we can be changed and then we can change the world. Yes based off of the word of God
1: absolutely, in a
0: loving way. You know, I, I hate the people who are out there who claim to be Christians and they're beating people up with the word of God. It's not what Jesus would do at all. You even gave the um, the, the scripture in John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11 where a lady's caught in adultery yep. and people are saying, all right, we need a stoner because that was the law. And Jesus said, okay, if you're without sin, you you throw the first one. Yes. Like, and he loved her, but oh, yet man. he told her, go and sin no more, a.k.a. repent, a.k.a. Repent. we just had an encounter, change. change. <laughs> yes, change. So I love how, <laughs> how we can do this, because that's how Christianity should be. Yes. Um, but Pastor Mark, for those who are listening, and they've been believers, they've been followers, um, but there's things in their lives that they truly haven't repented from. Yep. You know what it is if you're listening right now. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you just need to ask Holy Spirit, what is it in my life that I still need to completely repent so that I can be fully changed and transformed by you? But for the most part, when people hear that word real repentance, uh, they know there's something in my life that I haven't fully turned away from. So I'm sure some people may be asking, why is God so concerned With my lifestyle yeah why is he this micromanager of saying stop doing this stop doing that well I go to church I'm a pretty good person and this one thing over here why do I have to give that up why is he why is the Bible so concerned with this area of my life
1: yeah I think it was Romans chapter 6 the verse we read yesterday where it clearly says the wages of sin is death and that that in itself is why God is so concerned Um, He wants what's best for you. He loves you enough to be concerned, whether you fully realize it, whether you can, well, you can't fully see the repercussions of those decisions today, but that sin is producing death in your life. That sin is robbing you of the abundant life of the best that God has for your life. So He loves you enough. He cares about you enough to be concerned about this sin in your life. Address this stuff so you can stop living in the second, third, fourth best that God that when God has something so much better for you.
0: Yeah. I think it's a scary place to be in. You use the analogy of a frog and a... Oh, man in a boiling pot of water. And I've heard this, of course, I've never done this experiment myself. I'm, I wouldn't encourage I'm, it. It's I'm an animal weird. lover. Right. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> but the analogy and the, and the theory is that if you uh, put a frog in boiling water, it's immediately gonna jump out. But if you put a frog in cool water and slowly raise yep. the temperature of that until it is at a boiling pressure point, um, the frog's just gonna stay in there and, and ultimately die. And I think that is such a vivid illustration of how we not just people, but even people in the church body who have cultivated sin in our lives yes. and allowing it to just grow in our families and accepting the, the, um, the homosexual lifestyles, the addictions, yes. that this, the that. and It's because we have slowly said yes to what society says yes. over what the Bible says. Chris,
1: I don't think we fully uh, really understand uh, who the devil is and what his job is in our life. Uh, I, I think so many Christians take this, almost as, as weird as it sounds, they take this buddy approach with sin in their life. They just wink at certain areas. They take this buddy-buddy approach. Not No Christian would, would verbalize that. Like Me and the devil are buddy-buddies. But in some ways, we treat him that way because we know we have these areas of sin in our lives. We know we have these these things that are affecting us, and we just turn a blind eye to it. We just wink. I'll, I'll never forget when the, the, the Holy Spirit... Um, um, showed this to me one day of, I was a father and the Holy Spirit asked me, Mark, if an intruder came into your house and you knew that his job, the reason he was there was to inflict harm on your family, to, to destroy those things that are most precious to you, what would your response to that be? Well, buddy, I I mean, we live in Southeast Oklahoma. (laughs) It's a no brainer. Like, I don't care how unpopular it is. I have a loaded gun. It stays near my bed. If somebody comes in that house and they mean to inflict harm on my family, then I'm going to deal with that situation quick, fast and in a hurry without hesitation. But we allow the enemy access into our lives. We allow him access into our families. We act like it's no big deal, we just wink at these things, but that dude is in your house for one purpose, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is after you. He is after your family. He wants to inflict as much pain, harm, and damage as he can possibly inflict. Pick up that loaded gun next to your bed and go to work. Quit acting like it's just no big deal. It's a big, big deal. We have to address these issues in our lives.
0: And I think, Holy Spirit may be trying to also raise up courage in our lives to fight back against the enemy. Not against people. Okay, please hear me out. Absolutely. We're not fighting against the public school system. We're not fighting against the government. We're standing up of what is right and what is wrong. Yes. Period. Yes. And I think uh I think God's calling forth some of those who are listening right now, it's time to take a stand. It's time to be brave, and it's time to say, I've allowed the enemy in my home way too much. Uh, rather yeah. it's movies that my kids have been watching. Yes. I mean, even the Disney Channel doesn't have super safe stuff that apparent that doesn't necessarily stand on God's word. Like there are things out there yes. that will steal, kill, and destroy yes. your family. And if you're unaware of it, if you're too shy, if you're set back, or if you're like that frog. In that hot water and you just become accustomed to it and say yes. that's okay i mean something is majorly wrong we talked about
1: it yesterday but i asked the question when are we going to start having the hard conversations when are we going to love the people around us enough to address again like i said yesterday i'm not talking about lost people acting lost lost people act i'm talking to believers today i'm talking to the church when are we going to love our Christian uh, brothers and sisters enough to sit down with them when they're living in blatant outright sin and say, man, I love you. I care about you. What in the heck are you doing? Yeah, This is going to produce death in your life. You're giving the enemy access. He's, he's trying to destroy you. Chris, that's what love is. And for some reason, it's become so twisted in our world That to disagree with somebody's choices or lifestyles is well, that's hateful. That's bigotry. That's (laughs) narrow-minded. That, my gosh, no, man, it's love. That's that's what love isn't always hugs and kisses, Chris. You bet. I I gave the illustration yesterday. If if you walked in the kitchen and you saw your kid about to drink bleach, or, or or Drano, I think is what I said. Love doesn't say like, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, it's it's his right to choose. Let's just. I guess the kid, I guess he, he has the right to chug as much Drano as he wants. <laughs> like That's not, if you saw your son or your daughter, Chris, uh, not paying attention, about to walk out into oncoming traffic. Oh, man. You were going to do anything and everything within your power you bet. to intervene in that situation. Why? Because uh, you hate your children because you don't want them to be able to express themselves or make choices. No, because you love them and you realize like there is a, a tragedy about to happen. Uh, I think the question is, is how do we do some of those things in love yes. and in grace? Yes. Uh, I mean, addressing things in individuals' lives or in societies, uh, getting on social media and blasting your views and opinions like some kind of moron accomplishes the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Sure. So what does that look like? How, how do we have some of those hard conversations? And I think that's probably the biggest question that, one of the biggest questions I see facing the church moving forward, the question isn't what's right or wrong. The, the word has already established that for us. Correct. Homosexual lifestyle is wrong. Yes. Black and white, baby. Old Testament, New Testament, wrong. Abortion is wrong so clearly uh, reiterated over and over through the Word, uh, but these are major, this concept of transgenderism, it's wrong. Yes. It's, it's, so, it, I don't want to spend all my time trying to define what's right or wrong. The Word's already done that. The question that the church and believers have to be asking is how are we going to reach these people with truth, with grace, and with love? how how are we going to reach them how are we going to bring them to have in a life-changing encounter because chris all the sermons in the world man even from phenomenal preachers like myself, right? Come on, come on. (laughs) Sermons don't change people. Uh, Me hitting somebody over the head with the Bible doesn't change somebody. Me telling them, well, this is what the Bible says, that doesn't change people. Lost people don't care what the Bible says. It's just some dumb book in there, you know what I mean? So how are we gonna reach them with this love and with this compassion that Jesus walked with? When I read the New Testament, that's what challenges me probably the most is that Jesus never compromised the truth ever. And yet he was a daggum magnet to prostitutes, yes. to to people that lied and cheated and stole the tax collectors. He was a magnet. Yeah. He something didn't excommunicate them. Something about Jesus was so full of love and compassion w- without compromising the truth. People were drawn to him and then were able to have this life-changing encounter with him. That's what the church is missing, Chris. Yes. We we can stand on every mountaintop and scream out, this is what the word says and what's truth. But what are we missing? Why aren't lost people drawn to the love and the compassion that we should have as believers, if we're really going to be like
0: Jesus? I would dare say that uh, maybe we haven't been fully changed ourselves. Something's missing. Something's missing. Because while you were talking the whole time I'm thinking maybe there's some listeners right now and they're like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're supposed to, you know, speak in love to our fellow believers who may be dabbling in some sin, but how do I go about that? And I and I and I kept going back to exactly what you just said about how Jesus lived his life. Oh, he was a magnet to them. And in some instances in the Bible, he didn't have to say anything to them. It was his lifestyle. Yes. That was the testimony. That was the change that people saw. Like something's different in your life. I want that. And and I, I can't help but think back when I was a security officer uh, during my college years. Uh, these guys were not believers. I was even at a Bible college, but working in the workplace, and they could instantly sense something was different about me um and over the time of working there they would separately come to me and ask me what's so different about me what's what's what what is going on in my life that makes me not say or do the things they say and do and boom open door and you're able to lovingly talk to people about the love of jesus but for those who are believers um man i just want everyone to walk away today from this podcast to really think about themselves like Am I sinning comfortably anywhere in my life right now? You even mentioned in your sermon that if you're sitting here thinking, have I truly been changed by God? Then maybe the question or the answer is maybe maybe you haven't been. Maybe you really need to take some time and have that really full-on repentive conversation to God and surrender that over to Him.
1: Absolutely.
0: So today we just want to leave you guys with these questions to just ask yourself as well. Is there anything in my life to where I'm sinning and I'm sinning comfortably? Again, the Bible already uh, has told us what sin is and what sin isn't. So is there anything that you're doing currently in your life that you are sinning and it's comfortably? And then you just need to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I change? How can I get out of that? Um, And is this world shaping me or am I here to help shape the world into what God has called it? To be, these are some intense questions that you're probably not going to answer overnight. Am I right? One
1: hundred percent. You're
0: probably going to have to do some soul searching and ask the Lord these things. But lastly, as as we wrap up today, just be cautious uh, personally as you go to approach somebody and you want to talk to them and love about the sin that they may be in, because you need to remember that they have the same right to ask you in your life as well. So you've got to be careful. you got to be careful. got to be careful. And it goes back to the, am I really changed from my mind to my decisions, to my goals, to my desires? Have God, have I had that real encounter with God to where I am truly and radically changed?
1: Let me tell you, before I confront any person or any situation, I always ask myself, why am I confronting this? And if my motivation isn't because I just love this person so much, then I really take a step back and reevaluate. Do I need to confront this? Let's not let's not get this uh, having hard conversations confused with being a critical, judgmental jerk. Yes, <laughs> those aren't synonymous no. at all. No, 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 no. And they're not productive. <laughs> <laughs> but if God lays somebody on your heart, you know, uh, and you're just moved with love and compassion, uh, it's okay to have some of those conversations. And Chris, I just want to say, I, I think I want to end today with this reality. Just because you've repented doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle with that ever again. So true. It's it's a process. And, and every person listening today needs to hear me say that. It's a process. Uh, there are things that I still struggle with, that I have repented of a thousand billion times, and I'm still in the process of God changing. Does that mean I didn't really repent? No. I mean... God, I am trying to turn from these things. That's why I said yesterday, you can't change in your own strength, in your own ability. Yes. And it is a process. It's a journey. Is that a license to sin? No, baby. I'm trying. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing my best, and I'm asking the Lord for His grace as I continue to be transformed. But just because you repented and that you fell back into it doesn't doesn't lessen the value of your repentance. Doesn't mean that God's mad, disappointed. None none of those things. It repentance and change can be a process.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Pastor Mark, thank you so much for your time today. Hey guys, thanks for listening with us today. If you are not currently part of a small group, uh, we are picking those back up this coming Wednesday. Check out our website, thekingshouse.church. There are several different groups that you can choose from. And in these small groups that meet at the church, we're actually gonna be having some questions in regards to this past Sunday's lesson and sermon and how we can apply it in our lives today. So if you haven't done that already, I encourage you to do so, or just show up on Wednesday night and join a group at last minute. It's going to be great. And I look forward to this upcoming Sunday where we're on part two of Real Repentance, and then we'll unpack that as well as next week. Sounds great, man. See you guys next time.